Managing your law practice can be challenging. Marketing, time management, attracting clients, and all the things besides the cases that you need to do that aren't billable. Welcome to this edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. This is where you'll get the information you need from expert guests and host attorney Rodney Dowell here on the Legal Talk Network. Welcome to the On Billable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast, helping attorneys improve their practice. We're glad you could listen today on Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Dow, Director of the Massachusetts Law Office Management Program, offering free consultations to Massachusetts attorneys to improve their business practices. You can find out more about our program at www.masslomap.org, and you can find one of our many articles about law office management at our Mass Lomap blog, The Law Practice Advisor www.masslomap.blogspot.com. I would also like to take this time to thank our sponsors, LexisNexis, a leading provider of information and business solutions at LexisNexis.com, and SunTrust, offering private wealth management solutions at SunTrust.com backslash law. I've invited my friend, Alan Clevin, who practices law with his wife at the law firm of Clevin & Clevin, LLC in Wesley, Massachusetts. He also operates the consulting firm of Law Practice Strategies and speaks often on topics of law office technology and management, both in Massachusetts and nationally. Alan, I really appreciate you taking the time to uh, join us today. Rodney, I appreciate you asking me to uh, participate. Absolutely. Uh, and apologize, I'm kind of uh, a little stuffed up today, so hopefully you can understand my questions. But as you know, Alan, um, the key to one of the effective operations of a modern law office is the correct technology, uh, and that technology must be used correctly as properly maintained uh, to prevent work slowdowns, especially ones that occur out at the uh, edge of a deadline. So often I speak with attorneys that do little but purchase a computer at the local store, turn it on, and then forget about this mission-critical component of their practice. I was excited that you agreed to come on to the show today and discuss these important law office management issues with us. Well, hopefully I could be of some assistance. Always, always. (laughs) As a starting point, can you explain to our listening audience how to analyze their existing hardware and software to determine if they need to update or upgrade those systems? Yes, it's an excellent first, uh, an excellent starter question, because when people are going out in practice and they say, you know, I want to have this type of practice or I want to have that type of practice, first thing that I hear when I'm consulting with some of my clients is, what do I need to get? And it's not necessarily what do I need to get that they should be concerned about. It's almost like what, it's more like what do I have presently that's going to get me to where I need to be. So the first thing that I do is I'll sit down with some clients and talk about, you know, what their practices are. I always like to call it, you know, the Ross Perot syndrome. Who am I and why am I here? You know, what have I done and where do I want to go? And then after we determine where people want to be with their practices, we say, what do you currently have in place and is it working at its optimal? Uh, for example, people may use or may, may take their personal home computers and then apply it to their practice, or people may practice at home and use their home computers. What my clients don't necessarily know is that if you purchase a computer out of the box, meaning if you go to a store and just buy it and bring it home, it's generally filled with programs and, and other type of stuff that you just don't need. So what what attorneys 
listening here right now should understand is that there are ways to get rid of existing programs and it's called crap actually crap that the that 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 the companies put on the computer there's a way to get rid of that um, one website that they could use is actually something called www.pcdcrapifier.com. No, it sounds funny, but the stuff that's on your computer that you don't need actually is called crap, and you could just get rid of it that way. You can go into your control panel by starting you know, in the bottom left or the top right, depending on what uh, operating system you have, and go to your control panel and then go to add slash remove programs. And you're going to see in that control pr panel programs that you've never heard of before. Just remove them. Just get rid of them. And the last thing that I suggest, and I suggest that everyone does this every few months, is to defrag your computer. It's, it's called the disk defragmenter. And all you have to do is go to the start um, button and, and go to search and then just do defragmenter. And, and what happens is, you know, a hard drive spins sometimes at about 7,000 revs per minute. And, you, you know, just little pieces go flying out. And what a disk defragmenter does is essentially compresses everything to that space in your disk that's working, working optimally. So if you do, uh, if you remove your programs and if you get rid of the crap and if you defrag your computer on a regular basis, your computer, at least your box, is going to run optimally. And that's the first thing that, you know, we think about when we ask if the hardware is working well. With respect to this, you know, analyzing the existing software, first you need to ask yourself, is the software doing what you want it to do? And even if your answer is somewhat, well, um, that means that you somewhat know the software that you have. If it's something that you're interested in, I strongly suggest you go onto Google and try to find out more about that software. You go to the maker of the software's website and see if there's any updates available, or you just go onto um, any uh, discussion boards. There are discussion boards for just about everything out there, and you could ask the question on the discussion board to see, you know, how to do this with your software, how to do that with your software, and you'll get the responses that way. But before you start looking at the Sunday circular to get that next best thing, you need to look internally and make sure that you're running, you know, your office is running optimally. And it's just several easy steps. It won't take more than, you know, an hour or two to make sure that your your office is running optimally. Well, and just because you brought it up, do you have any uh, examples of some really good websites that people might go uh, to look at to learn how to, exa for example, operate uh, Adobe Acrobat better or uh, Microsoft? There are so many out there. Um, my favorite site, I, I, I'm, a, I'm a big Adobe Acrobat user, and I will tell you right now, while I'm not a reseller of Adobe Acrobat, I think that every attorney, paralegal, or staff member needs to know more about Adobe Acrobat. And there is a website that is hosted and, and uh, blogged by a gentleman named Rick Borstein, B-O-R-S-T-E-I-N. The site's called Acrolaw, and it would be www.blogs.acrolaw.com. And just about every question you'll, you, you have about Adobe Acrobat will be answered there. Dell has a great um, discussion board uh, in terms of Macs. There's Macs in the Law Office, and I don't know if it's Milo.com, but it's Macs in the Law Office. A uh, gentleman named Ben Stevens has a, a site called The Mac Lawyer, and you know you're, you're just talking about thriving and dynamic discussion boards. Essentially, I believe if any lawyer has a question about hardware or software, it's going to be answered somewhere in the web. The other one that I want to uh, put out there is it's called Litty Reviews. It's litireviews.com, and Litty Reviews is actually a it's it's like a 
an amalgam site of every single review of every piece of legal software that comes out. And uh, again, that's called Liddy Reviews, and those are three wonderful places to start. The last place, and this may not be the last time I'm going to talk about it, is the American Bar Association's Legal Technology Resource Center. Not necessarily to talk about what you have existing, but anything technology out there that you're interested in, or if you want to ask any questions about technology, I strongly urge even non-ABA members to go to, it's a new website, it's AmericanBar.org, that's the new ABA website, and just type in LTRC, and it will take you right to the Legal Technology Resource Center. I'm sure later um, we'll have an opportunity to discuss more of what's inside it, you know, what's on that site. Absolutely, and I, ha- I concur that it's a great Great site, uh, great uh, resource provided by the ABA. Now, you and I have made a number of presentations together over the years, and I often hear you uh, tell attorneys that you know there's two or three products that if that you think would be like really best investments, uh, rate of return uh, in technology sector. Can you tell us a few of those things that you think most law offices should purchase? Yes, my 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 two must have investments because the rate of return will actually, you'll realize uh, a positive rate of return probably within 24 hours is a desktop scanner and having multiple monitors. If you don't want to have multiple monitors, my suggestion is to have at least one 24-inch monitor or greater. And I know that you and I have discussed this, and you know, depending on the day, one of them is more important than the other, but I, I think that both of them are of paramount importance, and I'll just explain why, if I may, briefly. Yeah, Number please. one, a desktop scanner is not just a, a tool for you to scan in documents and you know, place them in your files. Desktop scanning can be used to um, immediately send faxes out because, for example, and again, I'm not a reseller, the Fujitsu ScanSnap comes with a prompt that says, hey, do you want me to fax this document? I'll scan something in and a prompt will pop up that says, hey, would you like me to convert this to a Word document? So now I don't have to ask opposing counsel to send me interrogatories in Word format or a request for documents in Word format because I just scan it in and press a button. It may ask me to just, it may ask me to just scan something in and then print it. It may ask me to scan something in and a pop-up will come up that will allow, and allow me to create a PDF. Also, the uh, Fujitsu ScanSnap comes bundled with Adobe Acrobat, which, you know, in and of itself is about a three or $400 standalone product. So for the $400 that you're paying for the scanner, you're automatically getting Adobe Acrobat. And the fact that I don't have to get up from my desk all the time saves me that much in time. Let's turn to multiple monitors. I mean, we all know that attorneys like to cut and paste things. Instead of having to open up browsers and close browsers and, you know, cutting and pasting and copying, now all they have to do is place documents side by side so they could see what they're cutting and pasting. What happens if you're doing legal research and you're writing a brief at the same time? You could keep the Microsoft Word document open on one monitor. You could have Internet research on the other monitor. My office is called Mission Control because at the time I had three monitors. Now I have two 25-inch monitors, and I actually have um, open as many as eight windows at a time, but I generally have four windows open at a time. And the reason why I have 25-inch monitors, and you know, they're only about 160 bucks each or $170 each if you go into sites like tigerdirect.com. But the reason why I have monitors this large is because when I shrink the window, to fit the monitor, now it looks like a normal 8.5 by 11 sheet of paper. That rate of return you will see almost immediately. Um, 
guaranteed. Great, great pieces of advice. And I, I agree wholeheartedly. And I don't know about you, uh, Alan, but when I go in and talk, talk to attorneys, I often um, find that they're working on, you know, uh, computers that are eight, nine, ten years old. Their printers are almost as old. Um, this failure to invest in a regular schedule of, of upgrades and updates seem to, you know, cause a great deal of, uh, of problems later on. What would you suggest best practices are for, you know, scheduling upgrades for both hardware and software? I'm going to be talking about this probably for the duration of our discussion, Rodney, but we have philosophies in our practice that we, we need to know budgeting. We need to, you know, you know, you talk about how much money you want to spend on marketing, how much money you want to spend on technology. We also have a philosophy in place about what we want to accomplish with our technology. We also have a philosophy in place about the lifespan of our technology. And none of our technology lasts in our office greater than three years. And there are two reasons. And the first one is actually a charitable reason in that after three years or four years or five years, computers become obsolete. And, you know, there's certainly a bell curve as to how obsolete they become. But the best story I could give is about five years ago, I had these Emacs or Gmacs or something. They kind of looked egg-shaped or whatever. And my kids had them and I wanted to donate them to the school uh, after three or four years. And when I carried these behemoths into the school, I looked and the school had these, you know, all-in-one Macs up there, the iMac, which, you know, looked about one-tenth of the size. So I took my behemoth egg-shaped G-Max and threw them in the trash. So my lifespan is three years because what we do is that we use, uh, again, another uh, website. It's called Dirk's Ban and Nuke, or dban.com, and it basically nukes the innards of your computer. So when we donate our computers, we just donate them with no operating system, no nothing, but the schools will still use them and appreciate them, the schools, the churches, the temples, or whatever. So every three years, we will nuke you know, our hardware that's been out there for three years, and we'll donate it, and we'll you know, get some type of tax deduction for the charitable donation that we're, we're giving, and, and, and plus get new equipment. We do that because I just think that every three years, the disk, the hard drive, really starts to go on the computer. That's when we notice the biggest slowdown. We actually have a, an Excel spreadsheet that talks about what computer you know, needs to go next and you know, when we should consider getting another computer. That being said, that doesn't necessarily mean that something's going to come up and you're going to say, oh, well, I can't get it because my three years aren't up. You need to keep your nose, you know, out there in, in the legal world to see if there is something out there that is going to give you a greater return on investment than what you necessarily have. To give you an example, I have a Fujitsu ScanSnap S510. Well, now Fujitsu has the ScanSnap S1500, but I haven't gotten it yet because it only scans 10 pages more per minute. But if next year a ScanSnap comes out that you know will do 30 pages per minute more, it's something I'm going to consider. I'm still working on Office 2003 because I don't think, in my opinion, upgrading to 2007 or, or now 2010 just justifies the learning curve for those new products. But, you know, I am keeping my eye. I, I know 2007. I know 2010. I'm keeping my eye to that pulse. And if I think that the return on investment is worth doing it, then I will absolutely do it. 
One of the other um, phenomena that I see, especially with attorneys, I think, but maybe this is more with small businesses in general, is a it seems really, really common for the attorneys not to invest in uh, training themselves on how to use the hardware and software. Do you run into that? And what would you suggest uh, the, the small offices do? The short answer is to invest in the training. There are too many attorneys that I speak with, not just necessarily in my role as a consultant or as a speaker, but just as a lawyer who, you know, want to buy it out of the box. It's almost, you know, when we all had VCRs and, you know, the program manual was 200 pages long and we didn't want the, to read the program manual because we just wanted to record a program. I, you know, I, I think that I, I, then I asked my clients, why would they buy case management software if all they want to do is put cases in there? Um, same exact thing. You must invest in the training. I always think about return on investment. I always think about return on investment. And lawyers bill themselves out at 200 250 or $300 an hour. And these trainers are coming in and they're going to charge you 150 or $200 an hour. But they're going to train you as to exactly what you need. So they're going to train you in half the time what's going to take you twice the time to learn. And there are quite a few certified trainers out there. All you have to do is Google certified trainers and amicus or certified trainers and pro law or tabs practice manager, and they're all out there. And you go on their sites and they'll give you a list of certified trainers. And again, make sure they're certified in it. Great. Well, it's time for a quick break and a word from our sponsors, LexisNexis and SunTrust. When we return, more with Alan Clevin. Has the recent economic climate affected the financial goals of your firm? Get back on track with help from SunTrust. Our private wealth management legal specialty group works solely with lawyers and their firms to deliver unique solutions designed for the legal community. SunTrust advisors give you sound guidance on everything from maximizing cash flow and waiting through benefits planning to understanding how to retain attorneys and staff. Learn more at www.suntrust.com legal. SunTrust. Live solid. Bank solid. SunTrust Bank. Member FDIC. Thanks for tuning into our program today. We want to let you know about something extraordinary happening in the legal industry. Right now, hundreds of independent attorneys just like yourself are working to bring a very special product to market. These attorneys are part of a development program at LexisNexis, and they are working under NDA on a brand new application that will change the way you run your practice. This solution, LexisNexis Firm Manager, is a web-based, highly secure application operating in SAS 70 Type 2 attested data centers. If you are interested in test driving LexisNexis Firm Manager at no charge, or to learn more, Visit www.myfirmmanager.com slash LTN. Welcome back to the Unbillable Hour on Legal Talk Network. I'm Rodney Dow, joined by Alan Clevin, Clevin & Clevin LLP in Wellesley, Massachusetts, and owner of Law Practice Strategies. Uh, Alan, just to get back uh, on what we were talking about before, uh, after an attorney has invested, you know, in this solid technology platform and done the training to use the software they need, what would you suggest that they do to ensure that this platform of hardware and software is adequately maintained? 
going to give you a short answer and then a long answer. All right. The short Excellent. answer is that every company, I don't care what it is, but especially law firms, have a qualified and solid IT person. I don't necessarily care who that IT person is, but you have to, A, have um, a solid working relationship with this person. I like to call it the simpatico relationship with them. And this IT person must have a regular schedule with your practice, meaning that you can't call the IT person when you have a problem. The IT person must work with you proactively to prevent problems from occurring. Uh, I have had many IT persons in my 22 years of practice. I've spoken with many IT persons together at seminars. I've spoken with many IT persons just about, you know, knowledge issues. Do not retain the cheapest IT person who lives down the road from you. My suggestion is, and again, it's like a divorce that, you know, once you invest in an IT person, it, it's not that easy to break up with the IT person. So have the IT person come come in, sit down and talk with this IT person, Tell them a little bit about your practice. Tell them what you're looking for in your practice. You may want the IT person to give you recommendations. You may want to have another IT person come in and give you different recommendations. Or, you know, if, if the recommendations are similar, then you could choose with the, between the IT people. But the IT person must know what you're doing. I have a little greater knowledge of technology and hardware and software than others. If there's a piece of software that I am going to purchase, I am going to make certain that my IT person knows as much about this software as me because if I have this software, I don't want to pay my IT person, you know, a couple hundred bucks an hour to learn the software. I want my IT person to be invested in my practice by making sure they're invested in what I'm using in my practice. Can't have an IT person come in and just plug in a couple of computers and say that I'm going to see you in a few months. I pay my IT person a monthly retainer, and my IT person's in my office once a month doing a checkup, doing everything that I talked about, the defragging and the editing and removing programs and all the other stuff, plus my IT person phones into my, my office once, uh, once every two weeks to make sure that everything is up and running for two reasons. Number one, you know, I, I, my office is turbocharged. It's running well. And second, it's prophylactic. It is preventing a problem from happening. And if a problem does happen, it's going to be easily solved because my IT person doesn't have to go back and say, I haven't been there in three months. And you have consistency in, in what they've uh, set up. They know the system. They can quickly figure out how to, to get it at the um, heart of the matter, I think. Bingo. Yeah. Uh, we also, you and I, I'm sure, very hear this uh, scenario more than we want to. And that is where law offices, all of a sudden they'll have a fire, a flood, or you know some other uh, disaster where they lose their hardware, uh, they lose files, um, which, you know, if not properly handled, can put them out of business, certainly, and put their clients at risk. So as an IT person, uh, someone who, you know, is specialist in law practice management, what would you suggest uh, our listeners do to make sure that they're prepared for that kind of disaster? <laughs> when I talk about backups and disaster planning to lawyers, I almost get a look in my clients' faces like they have to go to the dentist for root canal. Um, they're afraid of it. They don't know what to do with it. And for maybe procrastinational reasons, they don't want to do it. It is actually easier than people think. First off, 
I strongly suggest redundant backups. And what that is is that just, you know, backup more more than one tape, backup more than once. The easiest thing is if you have a server to just replace the tapes on a daily basis. All you have to do is pop it in the computer, walk home. The servers have a timer as to when they do the backup. Uh, I suggest having a fireproof safe, which costs about 70 bucks in your office. We have a dual tape backup where one backup goes to our, our home in Newton, Massachusetts. God forbid anything should happen in our office. Um, my favorite way of backing up these days is just backing up online. And uh, there are three companies which I, again, I'm not a reseller and I don't necessarily promote them. You could go on and Google online backup, but the three that I call the big three right now are Mosey, Carbonite, and uh, a new up-and-comer called Jungle Disk. Depending on size, and, 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 and you know, I think at a maximum it's going to cost up to $9 a month to use these online backup systems just to give you some cost comparison. Carbonite.com, uh, the first plan is $54 a year, $99 for two years, and $129 for three years per computer. So it's between 40 and 50 bucks a year. So what does that come out to? You know, five to six bucks a month or something like that. There's a, a nominal charge for, uh, per gigabyte of storage. Mosey, the, the most you'll pay is $10 a month. And then Jungle Disk, which is the, uh, the, the, the new addition to the big three, uh, the plans range for about, it's about $5 a month, and then you're paying 15 cents per gig per month. So you do a cost comparison of those. If you're working at home, I strongly suggest a daily backup using a, at least a one, well, not at least, using a one terabyte um, external hard drive. Why? Because one terabyte gives you a lot of space, a lot of speed. You could, you, you could even hold your personal pictures if you want. All you got to do is plug it into the back of your computer, click on whatever drive it is. It may be a T drive. You click it on, you save it, and, and, and you're all good. Um, you, you, you could even have two uh, hard drives, and it will cost you about 240 bucks. And you can keep one away from your home, put it in your car or something like that, but just keep, keep it away from the one that you have. There's other ways of backing up. You could back up onto a DVD or back up onto a flash drive. Not terribly recommended because of the size of the flash drive and, you know, the DVD could certainly, there are security issues in terms of getting lost and everything, but at a minimum, I would probably go with one of these uh, three online backup systems. Right. And as long as, I mean, you know, there's there's some really great systems. It's easy to uh, set up some kind of redundant system, but do something, right? I mean, that's what I find. I find people that don't do anything at all. Agreed. Yeah. Now, Alan, unfortunately, we're going to be winding this up, but uh, do you have any last words of wisdom or in selecting and maintaining law office technology? Um, I don't know if I would call them words of wisdom because <laughs> that's all a relative term. Um, it, I guess time flies when you're having fun, and I certainly thank you for... Uh, Thank you for allowing me to speak. But, uh, you know, the unbillable hour is all about law practice management. And one thing that we seem to have forgotten when we graduated law school is that you, we, you need to take a commonsensical approach as to how you manage your practice. And, in, and there are people out there that, you know, want to open up their practice and they want it to look clean and shiny like a Lexus or a Rolls Royce and they get the big computers and they get this and they get that. And my word of advice is stop and smell the coffee. Again, I called it the Ross Perot syndrome. Who, who am I and why am I here? What do you want your practice to be? Do you want to practice more at home than in the office? Do you want to pr 
take four weeks of vacation or five weeks of vacation? How do you want to manage your time? Do you want to get out of the office at 3 o'clock? How about your practice? Do you want to have a calendaring system that, that um, syncs with your case management system? And how about a billing system that's compatible with the case management system? Write it out on a piece of paper and make a roadmap as to what you want your practice to look like. Then when you have that, I strongly suggest, if you're in America, you know, contact a bar association, your local bar association, and find out if there's a practice management advisor, like the Mass Lomap program, um, and, and call and, and discuss what your issues are. Then go to the ABA. The Legal Technology Resource Center is going to answer all of your questions. There's great practice management blogs. Jim Calloway's practice management blog. Your questions will be answered either through these blogs or, you know, face-to-face or, by, you know, telephonically. There are people out there to help you that are going to guide you the right way. It just it saddens me that people spend money to use things that they never end up using. And there are so many resources out there, like I've mentioned before, and, and like you, Rodney, that are just out there to help people listening to this podcast. Well, thanks, uh, Alan. I appreciate the thumbs up for our program. And the, as you noted, there are a lot of great programs from around the country. But that uh, is going to wrap up our edition of the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. Alan, it's always a pleasure to have uh, you on and to talk to you. Where should listeners go if they want to find out more about you and either your firm or law practice strategies? Well, first of all, Rodney, thank you. This, this has been a pleasure. I, I love doing something that I love. And hopefully the, you know, practitioners out there, you know, with some of this advice will really love uh, doing what they love. If they want to find anything about, uh, anything out about law practice strategies, they just go to www.lawpracticestrategies.com. And I uh, am a workers' compensation practitioner here in Massachusetts, and it's www.clevenlaw.com. Great. And you can find out more about me, Rodney Dow, at MassLomap.org. Uh, find our blog at MassLomap.blogspot.com and on Twitter at, at Rodney Dow, where I hope we can continue this discussion in 140 characters or less. And remember, you can find more Legal Talk Network shows and this show at LegalTalkNetwork.com and find Legal Talk Network shows at the iTunes Library. I hope you'll join us again on the next Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to the Unbillable Hour, the Law Practice Advisory Podcast with Attorney Rodney Dowell. Join us again for the next edition right here on the Legal Talk Network. Learn by doing with Practicing Law Institute's award-winning on-demand interactive programs. Developed by experts in learning design, these immersive programs incorporate the latest in research-based instructional design and technology, allowing you to try out concepts, challenge yourself, and grow your skills using real-world scenarios. With programs focusing on professional development, client-facing skills, and law practice management, you can earn CLE while you learn. Launch now at pli.edu interactive or download PLI's mobile app.